of Acts. And the book of Acts, if you're following along, is a very interesting portion of the Bible because it outlines the history of the early church. And what we want to discover is that the, and, and what we want to discover and understand is what happens to a group of people when they are inspired of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit moves through the church, among the people, and through them. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. A group of people whom Jesus made its incredible promise. Where Jesus said, I am going to give you the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be my witnesses. So the book of Acts is all about what happens to these people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they be, begin to fulfill what God wants to do in the world. And we begin to see what happens when people b- begin to live out God's purposes and their lives are transformed because of what He is revealing to them. We also see in the book of Acts, we see the, the church being birthed. It comes to life. And we see things happening in the cities where the gospel is being ministered to. And we begin to see culture beginning to shift. And, and the reason I feel this series is so important to us as we are in the midst of a pandemic, the reason it is so important is because as people of God, we need to embrace the empowering of God's presence in our lives. We need to understand the dynamics of the Holy Spirit in working in our lives and the dimension that God wants to use us. That we would begin to see the dynamic move of God in our midst and that we would begin to see us as people living out the purposes of God in this world. So the book of Acts shows us what we can do, what God can do through His people, what we can become as a church that operates under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So this, this book is like a template where examples are given and how we can apply those examples into the 21st century. And so as we work our way through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, we will be introduced to numerous people, individuals that are no different than we are, from all walks of life, and we gain some kind of new perspective on what is happening through them as the Holy Spirit works. And one thing we need to realize about these people, something that's very important for us to understand, is that these are real people in history. These are not made-up figures. These are not people who are randomly don't know. These are real people in history who really represent us. They are a snapshot of who we are, and they show us the type of responses of what can happen when these people respond to God moving in and through them. And the same responses happen in people in our day and age today. So as the message of Jesus reaches all these different cultures and it moves among people groups throughout the world, there are different kinds of responses from people. But the book of Acts individually looks at what happens when these encounters take place. And it shows us what happens when God moves in the lives of people 
similar to our time and age. In this place, in this culture, in this time, this present time that we are living in, how can God move through us as he did back then in those peoples? What we will begin to see is that the same responses that happened to people in the book of Acts happen from people in our day and age today. As God moves, the same kind of people exist in our time as existed back then. The same kind of responses happen today which happened back then and they have similar implications to us today. So you may be asking, what does this have to do with me? What does it have to do with us today? And what we need to understand is we're not just looking at history, we're not just looking at some historical data, but instead we all personally need to be asking ourselves a very important question. And the question is this that we need to ask ourselves. What role do I play in the grand scheme of what God is trying to do, not just in our community today, but in the world today? What role and what place do I have in what God is trying to accomplish in the world today by the power of the Holy Spirit? And can I say this to you, whether you are in the sanctuary today or whether you're watching online, you and I have a divine appointment to walk in this present age, to live in this moment, and to experience not only God's presence in our lives, but we need to ask ourselves, what role do I have to play in what God wants to accomplish in the world today? How am I responding to the circumstances that are involved in my life? How am I responding to what God wants to accomplish? How am I becoming? How am I becoming? The type of person who has the presence of God working in their lives. So I want these stories that we're going to be discussing to become a part of our story, your story, my story. I want our lives to become animated with the presence of God, animated by the power of the Holy Spirit as He lives in us and as we live for Jesus in this world, that we become animated to live like God wants us to live, intended for us to live. And so today, if you have your Bibles or you follow along on your uh, technology devices, we're going to look at Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Last week, we looked at how the church was being gathered in chapter 2 and how the beginning of a new community began to form, this new community of faith. And as we read in Acts chapter 3, verse 11, a few moments ago, that the, the verses that Jordan read, we see here an account where a man is brought to a gate, a man brought to the gate daily by his family or friends, and he, he would sit at this gate, he would wait for people to come by who were going into the temple to worship. And he would sit at this gate asking them for money. And that's how he survived in life. Here was a person who was making a meager living begging at the, at the entrance to the temple. And there at the entrance of the temple, he meets Peter. And, and, and did, you notice, did you notice what Peter says to him? 
He says, look at me. It's almost like he's looking eye to eye with this man who is sitting at the temple. In other words, Peter is giving this man dignity. And he's saying to him, you're not just a beggar sitting at the temple gate. You are, in fact, a person. You are a real person. And you have real needs in your life. And I want you to see me, and I want to see you. And it's, and it's this beautiful moment, if you can just picture this moment, where Peter is eye to eye with this person. He's pro- providing this man dignity as a human being. People have walked past him all these years as he's been sitting there. But here is a distinct moment where Peter pauses and looks the man in the eye. That's a moment of giving somebody dignity. And then, as we read a few moments ago, the Bible says this man was healed. And he goes into the temple, he's leaping, and he's praising God, he's celebrating. And the crowd, who had just walked past him, now being in the temple, the Bible says these people were astonished. They were filled with awe and amazement and wonder. They had come to a place to worship, and they were just going through the motions. They had been walking past this man, probably hardly ever noticing him because he was there every single day. Now they were moving into the temple. They were doing this ritual, of, which was part of Pentecost at the time, just out of duty, religious obligation, going into a worship experience, a tradition, and they missed out on the fact that God could still be active. A God who could actually still move dynamically. While the crowd is in the midst of all of this religious obligation, here comes a man Don't miss this point. Here comes a man who had been walked past thousands of times over all the years. People had seen him over and over again as a crippled beggar. Now this man is dancing, celebrating, praising God. He's not on the outside anymore. He's inside the temple. He's no longer on the grounds begging, but he's on his feet dancing and all the people the bible says are astonished so all these people who now witness this event they rush to solomon's porch which was in the temple they're all gathered around peter and john and peter has an opportunity to tell these people about jesus and in essence what peter is saying in the remaining verses Past John, uh, uh, Acts chapter uh, 3, verse 11, past those verses, what Peter is actually saying, in essence, is this. You've come here to worship God, but now you have seen what you've been looking for in God. You have now witnessed what you have been looking for in God. And let me tell you how this happened. Now, I encourage you to take some time to read the remaining part of chapter 3 of Acts. Read this chapter. But but while he's speaking to the people, chapter 4, 
begins with a confrontation. I want you to listen to these words as they are read from chapter 4. I'm reading Acts 4, chapter 1 through 22, ESV. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Anna, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what this means, this man has been healed. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead by him this man is standing before you well this jesus is the stone that was rejected by you the builders which has become the cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved now when they saw the boldness of peter and john and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them and evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. By Peter and John, But Peter and John answered them, whether it was right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. You must judge, for we cannot but speak for what we have seen and heard. And when they had no further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. But uh, because of the people, for all were, were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So if you get a picture of this, chapter 4 is a continuation of chapter 3. And chapter 4 is a confrontation that happens. As Peter is explaining, Peter and John get arrested. Now let me just make a side note here. And let me say this to you. Let me just make a brief observation. I know a lot of people are frustrated during this pandemic that we've been engaged in for the last 16 to 18 months. A pandemic. This is a pandemic, and people are frustrated because government has shut down churches or limited attendance in churches. 
But this is not the persecution of the church. And I've heard it said, oh, this is them persecuting the church. This is not persecuting of the church. No one has come in and arrested any of us. I have not been arrested for standing here and speaking week after week after week. This is nothing like what Peter and John experienced in Acts chapter 4. What I want you to see, I want you to catch this. What happens in the midst of, of adversity? Peter and John are arrested, and the very next verse describes for us that 5,000 people joined the Jesus movement. Look what Acts chapter 4, verse 4 says. But many of the people who heard the message believed it. This is, this is the description of what Peter describes from chapter 3, verse 12 onward. They believed this message, and the numbers of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. Now, take a pause here for a moment and understand how incredible this is. People are watching them get arrested. People are seeing them carted off to jail. People are witnessing how the religious establishment are treating individuals and the people decide who are watching this unfold, I think I want to be a part of that. 5,000 people joined the movement. Now, I don't know about you, but I have seen people join fads. I have seen people stand in line for hours for Chick-fil-A because they want a chicken sandwich. I have seen people on the news of a hot stock tip put their money into the stock market very quickly. I have seen personal friends of mine sit on the sidewalk for hours all through the night because they were waiting for the computer Apple store to open for the latest gadget that was coming out from Apple. But I've never seen, I have never seen anyone join something when those who are doing the inviting are being arrested, handcuffed, and placed into prison. I've never seen anybody join a movement when people are being arrested. And beginning in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, notice these words. As Peter preaches again and, deliber and deliberates the, the salvation narrative in front of all these high priests, look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, verse 9, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? And now notice verse 13 of Acts chapter 4. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were no ordinary men and had no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You need to stop here and pause and underline this verse in your Bibles. I love this verse. The rulers, the governing elite, see how bold and articulate these disciples of Jesus are. 
Their arguments are well-informed, yet at the same time, they see they're just common people. They're uneducated people. How can this be? How can somebody as ordinary as these people do such an incredible feat? And the only explanation that can be given is this, that these men had been with Jesus and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I would hope, I would hope that when people interact with me or they interact with you, that when they leave our presence, that they would walk away thinking to themselves, there's no other explanation other than the fact that we have just had an encounter with Jesus. I would hope that in all of our lives, that when people connect with us and they leave our sphere of presence, that somehow they would have encountered the ministry and the influence of Jesus through us. All the accusations against Peter and John, there's one thing they can't deny. They know that what happened is real and they can't explain it away. This, this decision is made. As we read a few moments ago, this decision that the high priestly council made is, we can't let this get out. We can't get, let this get out. We can't deny what just happened, but we've got to do everything to contain the message. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Look at these words. Acts chapter 4, verse 21. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot, for everyone was praising God. So what you have here in these two chapters, Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, and what I want you to see is the kind of response that people had to this message of Jesus. The message, the, the message of Jesus being lived out every time in every century. Everywhere. When the message of Jesus is proclaimed, and when the j grace of Jesus goes out, there's always going to be a response. No, no matter how negative the situation may be, no matter how positive, there's, when the message of Jesus goes out, there's always going to be a response from people. It was back then, and it happens today as well. And, and what I want to have you see in these lengthy scriptures in our remaining time together in the next few moments, is I want to identify these three significant important responses that people have. Here's the first group that I would call the interrupted. A response from people that I would call the interrupted, where God is working in you. I think this is a positive group in the story. This is a positive group, and what I'm describing here is people who are being shaken from the status quo. These are people who perhaps experience disorder and all of a sudden they experience confusion. These are people who are probably going through their daily routine. Life is good. They're walking to the temple. They're simply going through the motions of living, doing everything that they normally do in everyday life. 
But all of a sudden, there's an encounter that happens. There's, there's something that happens, and it creates new possibilities in their life. All of a sudden, their life is interrupted by a God moment, a single moment where something interrupts their life in a, in a very good way, where all of a sudden this interruption happens and they begin to lean into what God is doing. Things begin to change for them. Things begin to happen in their lives that they never thought would happen. Some, there's a dynamic encounter and they are willing to make some changes and adjustments in their life. I can talk to you personally about my own personal journey. As a teenager at the age of 17, in 1977, when I was called into ministry, there was a distinct, bizarre, holy moment where I experienced the presence of God. I can take you to the place. I can take you to the very exact place, even today, and I can show you I had a distinct encounter with God. And it changed my life. It revolutionized my life to such an extent that I changed career paths. You see, I had been accepted at the University of Toronto. I had been accepted at McMaster University. I had been accepted at, in London at Western University. And I had been accepted into a program because I wanted to become a forensic scientist. But there at a youth camp, at a very distinct moment in 1977, I had an amazing encounter with God where I experienced the fullness of God's Spirit and call into ministry. And I completely changed the life direction of my life. That's what I'm talking about. There are moments, friends, where we can experience an incredible encounter with God that can change the trajectory of your life. Your life is interrupted. And this is exactly what happened in this story. There was an interruption that took place. 5,000 people make a decision to join the way of Jesus after witnessing the arrest of Peter and John. 5,000 people just witnessed something. And because of what they had just seen, they realize that their life is going to be different now. They had a new way of life. They had new purpose in life, a new way of doing things. And they allowed that moment, because of what was happening in front of them, to change their life. Any person who really has his life interrupted was not only the 5,000 people, but there was that lame man. Remember him? The lame man who was healed? Now that's an interruption of life. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 22. Every, as everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign. The healing of a man who had been lame for, how many years? 40 years. He also had a routine. Every day for over 40 years, his family or his friends would bring him to the gate. That's what we read. They would place him there at the gate. He would beg for money. At the end of the day, he would be carried home. Every day for 40 years. All through this man's life, he had never known anything different. He's taken to the gate. He begs for money. 
gets what he needs, gets what he wants, and then is carried home. But then, then, there is this incredible moment. He asks for what he wants, but he gets what he really needs. He thinks, what I need is what I've been needing for 40 years, silver and gold. I need some money. I need to survive on this money. But instead, he gets an interruption of life, an altering interruption in his life. God moves, and suddenly he's on his feet, and he's in the temple praising God, even though this guy had no idea not only what was happening to him, he had no idea what he was going to do next in life. He had no skill set. All he'd been doing is sitting there for 40 years. He had no trade. He probably had no savings account. He's just trying to survive each and every day. All he knows at that moment when God interrupted his life is that God changed him. And now all he can do is praise God. See, the sign that you know that God is interrupting in your life right now, whether you are sitting here or you're watching online, the sign that you know that God is interrupting your life right now is things begin to happen around in your life, and the only thing is, is that it's not your doing, it's somehow God is doing something significant and powerful in your life. Stuff is happening, and you have no control over it. You can't take any credit for it. And when you can't take any credit for things that are happening, the only choice that you have is you can say, I see God doing something and God is moving somehow and I have no control over it. See, one of the problems we face in our lives is we think we know what we need. We think the solution to all of our problems is I just need more money. I need silver and gold. We are so focused on what we think we need and what we think we want, we don't take time to look to God for what He wants to do specifically in our lives. God is trying to say in this story, as, he, as this man is gazing into the eyes of Peter, what God is saying is, I want you to put your eyes and your focus, your gaze on me and begin to realize that I am God in your midst, and I am going to do something significant in your lives. God wants to do something powerful, and what we don't realize is that every day that we get up, we are no different than this lame man. We carry out a routine every day without realizing that God wants to work in and through us in a powerful way. We don't realize that we could dance instead of mundanely sitting there. We don't realize that we can, with God, move beyond and past and outside the box of our confined thinking. So the first response of people that we see in this story is the person who says, the message of Jesus interrupts my life and it challenges me. And I am willing to have my life interrupted because I know there is something better on the other side. So I want to ask you this question. Are you willing to allow God to mess up your life so that you can, on the other side, begin to praise Him more? 
Is there enough stuff going on in your life where you can say that is God doing some incredible, powerful stuff? Are you noticing? Take notice. Don't walk through life glibly where you don't notice that God is working and he's trying to work in and through you. Pause and allow your eyes to be opened to see what God is predominantly doing in your life. But here's a second response that I see in this story of people. There are people who are disruptors. God is working through you. These are people that God uses. These are people, men and women, that God uses to deliver his kingdom principles into a jaded world. The, here, here's the primary example in the story that we read of, of Peter. This, this, this man, Peter, is a perfect example of this response. His example provides the evidence of what this looked like, these, these disruptors. And what I want you to notice is that Peter does not shy away from what God is doing in his life. He doesn't, he doesn't have anything. He, he simply says, hey, I don't have gold and silver. This is what he says to this man. I don't have gold and silver. I would love to have enough money to sol- solve your problems. Listen, we see a lot of problems in our world today. This past week in the city of Toronto, we saw homeless people gathered up and moved out of the parks. There are homeless issues that we are struggling with and dealing with in our city. There are poverty issues that we are dealing with in our city. And I would love, I would love to have enough resource and money to assist people who are going through difficulties. And Peter looks at this man's situation and he says, I don't have any money. I don't have the resources. But what I do have is I will give it to you. And what Peter gives this man is so very simple. You know what he gives him? He gives himself. He gives himself to be used of God. Simply put, Peter is simply a conduit, a delivery system for the love and the healing and the power of God to be displayed through him. That's all Peter does. He's simply making himself available. And that's what it means to be a disruptor. If you are making yourself available for God to use, for the Spirit of God to flow through you, wherever you are, however he sees fit, that's what it means. And later in the chapter, we see when he speaks, lives are being changed. He speaks to the council and he challenges them. Even though he's not the best communicator, he's not the the person who you would probably put in front of the population. But the text says that he was bold, he was filled with the Spirit, and he pronounced God's word. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Look at these powerful words. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, rulers and elders of our people. What this verse is simply saying is that Peter is making himself available. He's saying, here, here am I. I am allowing God to work through me. Do you know all of us? All of us today can be disruptors. Disruptors are people who want to simply be available to allow change to happen in their lives, where they begin to recognize, my life has a purpose. My life can make a tangible difference in somebody else's life. 
They don't make excuses for what they have or don't have or what they can do or can't do. They simply say, I'm available to help. God, I want to be used of you. And you know what? You need to know this. A radical, loving, gracious, sacrificial, serving group of people that live lives empowered and motivated by the Holy Spirit are going to be an incredible influence in our world today. Can I repeat that? This is important for us to understand. A radical, loving, gracious People with a servant heart, sacrificial people, are going to have an incredible, beautiful influence in our world today. They are going to be a fresh, a, a breath of fresh air into their neighborhood, neighborhoods, to their family, to their co-workers, because we live in a jaded, we live in a critical, we live in a judgmental world. And to have people who actually sacrifice and people who actually love for the sake of others and are there to help people, no matter what their circumstances are, where they simply make themselves available is an anomaly in our society today. We can present to the world a different lifestyle because we are motivated with a high calling. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, God wants to use us to be sacrificial and loving and caring people into our communities. But then there's a third group of people, a third group of response as I come to a conclusion in this message. Probably this third group is where none of us want to be at. They are the annoyed. They are the annoyed. These are people who are threatened by God's working. So you have the interrupted, you have the disruptors, and then you have in this story a group of people, the annoyed. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 2. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were, now notice this, these leaders were very disturbed. That's a key word. They were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. The connotation here is, here are people who are put out, they're bothered, and they're annoyed. They had just witnessed an incredible and powerful working of God's miraculous power. And the sentiment is, we are going to be annoyed. They're disturbed, greatly disturbed. Some other translations say greatly annoyed, indignant. It's the, it's the same kind of sentiment that we have when we shut off our phone to the do not disturb signal. Basically, when you do that, you are saying, I don't want to be bothered with incoming phone calls. Don't annoy me with your phone calls. That's exactly what's happening in this verse, in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. People are annoyed. They're disgusted. They're disturbed. They're indignant. A man who hasn't walked in 40 years. You have 5,000 people who are now, 5,000 men who are encountering the grace of Jesus. And then you have people who are greatly disturbed. They're put off. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, it's almost unbelievable to me. When you take a step back and you look at the situation, it shouldn't surprise you because most often, the people who are most likely to be disturbed are the ones who are the most comfortable with the way things are right now. Maybe they're not against God working, but certainly had things figured out. They were going through the routine of how God should do things, especially now that God has threatened their way of life. Now, all of a sudden, they're inconvenienced. They're disrupted. There's commotion going on, and it's messed up their thought processes of what should be happening in this certain situation. Listen, make no mistake about it. You need to be aware of this. The gospel message changes the status quo. The gospel message confronts injustice. The gospel message confronts manipulation and corruption. And that's what the gospel does. And unfortunately, those who are most involved and most benefiting from from these manipulations and injustices seldom see their part in it. So when this miracle happens, and it's through common people, they're not theologically trained, they're not ordained people, they are just common people. And the crowd starts moving towards them and abandoning the religious elite and the educated and the establishment The disciples of Jesus are considered a threat, a threat to their way of life, a threat to their comfort, a threat to the status quo, which leads to annoyance. So here, as I wrap up, here's the question. As you've listened to this narrative, let me ask us all a question. Those of you here in the auditorium and those who are watching online, let me ask you a question. Who are you in this story? Who are you in this story? Is God working through you? Is God working in you? Or are you simply annoyed right now? These are the questions to ask. Wherever you are in life, these are the questions to ask in life. Where are you in this story? Or who are you in this story? Is God working in you? Is God working through you? Or are you simply annoyed with God? Can I challenge you with something? In Mark chapter 2, verse 22, Jesus said these words, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Jesus is talking about new wine and the need for new wineskins to hold the new wine. The reality of what Jesus is trying to say here and describing here is that he is going to do a new thing and that the kingdom of God is going to expand tremendously. God is going to accomplish and do his works through new works. And I happen to believe, 
I happen to believe that God is, even in the midst of a pandemic, I happen to believe that God is working in a new and powerful way. Now, I don't know what this is going to look like on the backside or the after COVID is over. I don't know what God is doing in the church, but I do know this, is that God is doing a new thing. And however it will be, whatever he is doing, however it's going to look like, I want us as his church, as being a part of the kingdom of God, that we would make a decision to participate in whatever God is doing, that we would do it together. And not be annoyed if it upsets something, or not be dismissive of what God may be doing and how we think it should be and what it should look like, but that we would embrace, that we would come together, participate together, when and if and how God does something miraculous and marvelously different from anything that we've ever known before. I want our lives to be interrupted by what God is doing. I want us to become disruptors where we say, God, work through me. Whatever you are doing, I'm available to be used of you. But for the sake of God's kingdom, I pray that none of us become annoyed at what God is doing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, search our hearts. See if there's anything in us that would undermine what you are doing in our world today. Make us, I pray, Lord, sensitive and open that we may witness what you are doing by your Holy Spirit in our world, and we submit ourselves to be filled with your Spirit so that you can accomplish works through us that people thought were impossible. God, I pray for all of us, those who are in this auditorium and those who are watching online, may we not be annoyed at what you are doing as different as it may look like, we don't know what it will be at the other end. But Lord, we want to be a participant in a new day when your spirit moves powerfully in us and through us. In the name of Jesus, I pray, your blessing and your spirit upon all of us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. 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 So glad you could join us. Welcome once again, and hopefully next week as we continue our series in the book of Acts, you'll join us again. Have a great week. Walk with God and be sensitive to the leading of His Spirit in your life. Amen. Come again. Thank you for being here. Have a great week. If you need anything, don't feel hesitant to call the church. We're here to assist and help whichever way we possibly can. All right? Have a great week, everyone. God bless you.